the four o'clock football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. A little early today, two o'clock football frenzy because we're off at four o'clock. We're going to hand it off to the national coverage on ESPN Radio. If you want to get the national perspective, stick around here after four. If you want the Raiders, hardcore Raiders perspective, change it over to uh, Vinny B, who's on early today right now from uh, up until three o'clock. And then JT the Brick and Lincoln Kennedy carry you up until the draft. So lots of options here uh, on the Lotus Broadcasting family. Candy's here. It's Cofield. We got a lot of breaking stories today. Uh, weird one here. You know, Caleb Farley is already – it's an interesting case. We're going to find out if teams are cool with players opting out, Candy, or if they're going to hold it against some of these players. Farley's one of the guys who opted out. He's a cornerback. Man, he'd be in the mix for the Raiders at 17, I would think. Uh, a lot of folks are talking about him going even higher. There was a rumor earlier today, again, Jay Glazer, saying that the Saints are looking to trade up from 28 into the top 10, but it may not be for a quarterback. Okay. Uh, people are mentioning a cornerback for the Saints. Well, anyway, uh, Farley actually will not be in well, – we're going to describe these kind of green room pods because families were invited, players were invited to Cleveland. He tested positive for COVID on – well, I don't know if he tested today, but he's found out about – a positive COVID test on what is one of the biggest days of his life. What a freaking bummer. It's not quite Laramie Tunsil showing no. up with a gas mask and, uh, you know, some bong smoke coming out of said gas mask. Nothing that I think is going to make him slide down the draft board all that much because in the end, talent wins out every time. Remember that after Trevor Lawrence's freshman year, we were discussing should he even go back and play again? Like, like he's proved everything he needs to prove, right? Like, he, should he just sit out till he's eligible? And you know, here we are after the COVID year with guys like Jamar Chase, like Micah Parsons, like Caleb Farley, saying, well, is it going to affect them? No, it's not going to affect them at all. In fact, if I'm the NFL and I'm a team evaluating one of those guys, I am way happier that I know this guy is 100% healthy than worrying about was he playing through something is he banged up from another year of having to tread off the tires from playing college football so along those lines of covid they're actually going to have personal family pods for the draft they've got little rooms for each draftee in attendance and their family kind of cool Man, I got to tell you, though, it's going to make those shots of whoever gets stuck in the green room even sadder, uh. right? Like, because you're going to be focused in on an entire family on camera as opposed to, like, you know, they get those sh- wide shots of the green room and they focus in, like, oh, my God, there's Josh Rosen. Like, oh, my God, there's Aaron Rodgers, like, still sitting around. Like, oh, man, some guy is going to be sitting there with his entire family around him, and we're going to be looking at their pod and thinking – Oh, this is uncomfortable. Raiders stuck on drafting for need at 17 or best player available. I'm wondering what Candy's prediction is. I saw in The Athletic that uh, one of the writers said the Raiders have to draft a right tackle. I do not agree with that. If, if it's, I mean, if five offensive linemen are off the board, 
by the time 17 pops up for the Raiders, you can wait. Again, don't be pigeonholed into drafting for need specifically. What was the case made by the Athletic? Deshaun Reed did his mock draft and said that the hole for the Raiders at right tackle is so gaping that they need to go fill it with their first-round pick because the quality is not going to be there to find someone who can be a day-one starter deeper in the round. I agree with the second part. You do need a quality starter at right tackle, and if you're going to get that for someone who can start day one, it's going to have to come high. But like you just said, Sewell and Slater are going to be gone. What if the two or three other guys that they've targeted come off the board? You can't talk about drafting for need when you have a roster that has the holes that the Raiders have. Period. The only teams that can consider drafting for need are teams that feel like they've taken care of everything else. Chiefs did it last year. The Chiefs said, you know what? We don't think we have holes. We need another home run hitter. So they go get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the end of the first round. Well, here's a newsflash. Come the Super Bowl, they had massive holes on the offensive line. And they would have been far better served doing what they had done in the past, plugging in someone or anyone in the backfield, and having more depth along their offensive line. So if you're the Raiders and you have all these holes to fill, you can't look at it and say, oh, there's one position, because you don't know how that's going to play out over time. The Raiders have far too many needs to pigeonhole themselves in the way they've done in past years. And who knows what the draft will look like tonight. If something crazy happens in the next three or four hours with Aaron Rodgers. Now, if people are just tuning in, they're like, what the hell is going on? Well, first of all, we were on last hour. Where were you? Uh, we talked about these stories around Aaron Rodgers. Yes, today, fresh Aaron Rodgers story saying he's pissed off at the Packers. Thanks to Jay Stu, who just sent over a tweet. He's at Daily Show, uh, D-L-Y Show. So, according to Glazer and Schefter, Rodgers may be at a breaking point. Like, this is the real breaking point with the Packers. Glazer said Aaron told the Packers he doesn't want to return. And I think it's more than a contract deal. I think he's pretty strongly convicted that he doesn't want to go back to the Packers. The uh, The story that our listeners sent over, headline, Rodgers, eyes, 49ers, Broncos, Raiders. Raiders. As trade destinations. Ooh, this one's great. Uh, can you imagine getting ready for the draft, getting ready to make your first pick or a couple of picks, um, you know, today? The Niners are trying to make their decision on uh, who they're going to take at number three, as an example. Will the Niners, Candy, be actually making a pick for the Packers at three? You have to factor it in at this point. You have to look at it and say, this oh. has to be destination God. number one for Aaron Rodgers. I don't care though about those reports saying that those are not ranked, Niners, Broncos, Raiders. It's obvious. The 49ers are by far the best situation of those three for Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah. Look at the defense. Look at the skill positions. Look at the offensive line that just re-signed Trent Williams. Come on. And we haven't even gotten to Kyle Shanahan yet. Look, you go to Denver... Vic Fangio is your head coach? You think you had problems with Mike McCarthy and Matt LaFleur? And talk about coming to the Raiders. Really? With this defense? With the skill position issues that the Raiders have? That makes no sense. Look, I understand you want to be 
creating some leverage by getting multiple bidders into the situation. You don't want the Niners to think that they're the only team in this, and so the Packers front office feels like, well, we can just hang them over the barrel and get whatever we need from them. No, you don't want that. But at the same time, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you are taking a clear-eyed, sober look at this, and let's be honest, there are few players in the NFL with a more calculated look at how they approach their career than Aaron Rodgers, then you're looking at this and saying, I want to be in San Francisco. And the rumor earlier today was the Niners had offered the number three pick, Garoppolo, and much more to the Packers for Aaron Rodgers. And at the time, the Packers said no. Maybe something happens today, and maybe it is the Niners. Maybe the Raiders can get in on it. Maybe this will all be smoothed over again. It just seems to keep coming up again and again and again. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. can have the best coach in the world, the best owner arguably in the world, the best offensive coordinator, the best system, the best offensive line coach, and your star quarterback leaves, and you're a big nothing burger in your flailing. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Voice of Colin Carrard, he loves quarterback talk, right? Loves talking about Baker Mayfield. I don't know if he loves him or if it's a work between the two of them. Always seems like a, a wrestling work to me. Uh, let's go to Cleveland. Well, all day long, we're talking to former NFL players and getting their take on the big stories around this draft and, and also what happened on their draft day. Gerard Cherry played in the league. He was with the Raiders and, of course, uh, Saints and Eagles and Patriots as well, and he's doing radio now in Cleveland. Gerard, how you doing? I am doing excellent. How are you guys doing? We're good, man. I'm fired up. I'm fired up. We got a team here. You know, We went through the draft last year as the Las Vegas Raiders and now the Raiders have the 17th pick. I want your take on that in a couple of minutes. But I want you to tell people about your draft day experience. You were a second rounder, what, 1996? And uh, were you sweating it out in the first? Uh, I don't remember where you were on mock draft boards at the time, but was what was draft day like for you? Uh, draft day for me was hectic, and it's sad to say it was a disappointment because I just knew I was going to go in the first round, yeah, and yeah. I could have gone to the first round, but unfortunately – my agent, because the Kansas City Chiefs, when they called him and told him that they want to pay me less money, was more concerned about his reputation as opposed to my dream and my desire to be a first-round pick. And not only that, a first-round pick that was going to a quality organization. Because when I got drafted by the Saints at that time, they were a mess. So I wasn't that happy on my draft day because I slipped and slid to the 40th pick, but still I was in the second round and I didn't have to wait to Sunday to get picked. So I guess I should be happy about it. So you can kind of still hear some of the bitterness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. All right, well, let's talk about uh, some of the big stories going into this draft. Uh, but before mm-hmm. we do any of that, I don't know if you've seen the rumor, but uh, a bunch of the big-time NFL insiders are saying uh, Aaron Rodgers is just – he's done, man. He's just – he's pissed at the Packers. He wants to be moved. He, I, I guess uh, he's named or his agent has named some targets out there, Raiders, Broncos, 49ers included. What do you think of this? Is this just more negotiating on the part of Team Rodgers, or is this real? No, this is real. I mean, let's put it out there. Aaron Rodgers – has not talked to his family members over certain issues and situations. And Aaron went to the same university I went to, the University of California, Berkeley, Go Bears and all that good stuff. So I'm an Aaron Rodgers supporter on the strength of that alone. So I'm not going to sit here and say anything flipping about him for the sake of saying it because I like Aaron Rodgers. However, if a guy is willing to not talk to his family because of certain 
issues. What makes you think as a football team, if he's telling you he does not want to be there, and on top of that, he has the means and all those things along with that and the cachet to say, I don't want to be there and not going to miss a beat by missing from a bank account standpoint, you better take him serious on that and realize that the dude is done and get something for him while you can. Or just have him flat out pull a Jim Brown and say, I don't want to play no more. Or Barry uh, Sanders. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Gerard, you played for an organization that has the reputation as one of those, reputa- those organizations that knows what it's doing, especially in the New England Patriots, right? We've all talked about Belichick and, and Brady and Kraft forever. So it seems to me that that organization has managed to treat its players generally well enough that they don't get the impression that the organization knows better than them. And the Packers don't seem to have done that with Aaron Rodgers. The Packers seem to have given Aaron Rodgers the impression of, oh, yeah, we're, we're good. We know what we're doing. We're going to draft Jordan Love last year instead of give you what you need in a wide receiver. And, you know, we're going to play this contract thing the way we want to. Like, what do you think is going on in the front office in Green Bay? Well, I think they misread their power and what Aaron Rodgers was interpreting because they were there thinking, you know, Aaron, he's a fair guy. He had this happen to him, so maybe he'll be supportive of a young protege coming in. But what they had to learn the hard way, and they're really learning it right now, is that dudes can be hypocrites. Dudes, egos will get the best of them and say, how dare you do something that helps me win right away? And obviously that's what Aaron Rodgers is on, is on his pedigree, is on his Hall of Fame march to make sure he wins as many Super Bowls and MVPs as he possibly can. And they misread that. He could care less about them preparing for the future, just like they could care less about one day trading him. And that's how he sees things. And one thing you should always remember for GMs out there, if you have a quarterback that grew up in Northern California, and in particular San Francisco Bay Area, he witnessed something that he never thought he would see, and I was along with him. When the San Francisco 49ers got rid of Joe Montana, that changed everything for a lot of young men. Tom Brady experienced it. matter of fact, he and I used to have trips, carpools to the state when we talk about that situation. And Aaron Rodgers saw the same thing as well. So that's what's in them, and they've seen that, and they witnessed that, and they have a, they're in a position where they can do what? They can overrule that. They can put things on their own terms. And as a football player, that is a rare situation in its own right. And so for them to be able to do that, they're exercised that. And I think it goes back to, again, witnessing what they saw while growing up in the Bay Area with Joe Montana and Steve Young. Gerard, let me follow up on that for a second. So that was a memory that stuck with Tom Brady, huh? watching what happened to Joe Montana at the end yes. of the Niners? It was a memory. We talked about it on a regular basis. Wow, that's uh, that's remarkable, and uh, certainly gives some insight into you know uh, a couple of Bay Area guys and looking at you know nobody apparently bigger than the franchise in the eyes of the franchise sometimes. Well, let's talk about what's going on in Cleveland and a team that, frankly, had about as good of an off season in my opinion as anyone could in terms of the way they fortified the defensive backfield. They bring in Jadavion Clowney to play on the other side of Miles Garrett. But here we are, you know, talking about is the Baker Mayfield that we saw toward the end of the year, the steps forward that he took at the end of the year, is that guy ready to push them forward and take that next step this year? And if he is, then how do the Browns go about approaching their draft situation tonight? Well, I think it's really simple for the Browns. If anything, offensively, what do you really have to concern yourself with other than depth? You have the skill position locked and loaded. You brought your tight ends back. You brought your running backs back. You brought your wide receivers back. You're bringing your quarterback back, and you're bringing the best offensive line in the National Football League corner pro football focus back. So on the offensive 
standpoint, you're good to go, and you're bringing your coaching staff back. You know how refreshing that is to be a Brown supporter and fan to actually say that? You're <laughs> bringing your coaching staff back? So that right there to tell you everything you know about Baker Mayfield, and I'm convinced that he will take a step in the right direction because whenever you have continuity, look across the board at football organizations, the ones that have continuity, the ones that have the same people in place, so you can build upon that rapport, they're the ones that win. And I'll also add this into the mix. When you go back to that AFC divisional round game against the Kansas City Chiefs in which they blew a great opportunity as a collective, not just on offense or defense, Baker Mayfield looked like he belonged in that moment and didn't look overwhelmed. That's one of the key things that you want to see from a quarterback. How does he handle moments of pressure, and how does he handle the big stage? And on that stage, he looked like he belonged. So I think with having the same coach of the year and Kevin Stefanski back at the helm, who seems to know how to handle Baker Mayfield better than Freddie Kitchens did, as well as Hugh Jackson before him and Todd Haley, that he has a great chance to continue on that development at a higher level. And we're just seeing the infancy of it. Well, last year was the beginning, and we're going to see greater things. Former Patriot Rod Cherry is with us, multiple-time Super Bowl champion. You know Belichick. You've watched him go through these drafts. He's got a ton of draft capital. I think they have a need for a quarterback, so people keep trying to make this connection that Belichick is going to move up into the top ten, grab a quarterback. Is that going to happen? I don't think it's going to happen with him because you know why I say that? Because I think he's more prone. I don't think he trusts young quarterbacks. Yep. I think he would rather deal with a guy that's a veteran who has experience and not have to go through the pains of developing someone. Now, Tom kind of fell in his lap, but that was after two or three years of being on the team and developing to what he became already. So I'm not sure he's enamored with the idea of a young guy. I think he likes the idea of a veteran. And if you really look at that football team, was they missing? A lot. They need some – Cam Newton needs some weapons around them. The guys that were there were not getting the job done, and it's really that simple. So I say I would be surprised if he made that move. If anything – I can see him trying to wrestle with the 49ers to get Jimmy Garoppolo back in the fold. But outside of that, I really don't see them pursuing a quarterback in the first round unless they got to follow, find a way to get a hold of Mac Jones because then I would say, okay, Saban endorsed him. Saban told him how much he's like Tom Brady, and Bill will buy in that because that's a guy who was once his defensive coordinator with the Cleveland Browns. And obviously, if you look at the track record, Bill drafts a lot of guys from LSU, Michigan State, and Alabama. Gerard Cherry on the horn with Cofield and company. Which quarterback do you like in this draft after Zach Wilson, after Trevor Lawrence? Who should the Niners take? Well, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how in the world Justin Fields fell. Yep. I've been here in Ohio, and I watch a lot of Ohio State football games, even though I went to Cal. It's almost like you're forced to, right? And so I saw him play two bad halves, and I'm saying to myself, how in the world did that cause him to fall out of out of the second slot overall. So, if anything, I'm, I'm very interested to see where he goes. Cause I'm like, wow, I think you guys are missing something here. This dude threw 20 completions in a row at one point in time. But I also must say, too, that I am enamored with, with Jones as well because I'm saying to myself, gosh, if this dude really does have that Pentium processing capability like Tom Brady where he can pre-snap read things and make quick decisions with the football and knows where everybody's going to be and studies the game like that because it's really more cerebral than anything – then you have to love him as well as far as having a great opportunity to do well in the league. You were with the Eagles. What do you think they do? Um, are they set at quarterback? Is Jalen Hurts the guy? I mean, are they going to look in this draft at a quarterback? They have a lot of needs, though. I mean, they certainly need more help yes, at wide receiver. Do. Yeah, and they're in the worst place you can be, really, when you think about it. You're two or three years removed from being 
in the Super Bowl. You're in a rebuild mode. You don't have truly an idea. You know who you may go with Jalen Hurts as your quarterback, but you're going to probably create a quarterback competition because you're probably not completely sold on him. And that just creates another form of dysfunction. You have a head coach who is going around telling people that he's playing rock, papers, and scissors with people in order to figure out if they have a competitive edge, which I think is pretty funny and cool at the same time, but kind of like, I don't know if you can really base that much off of that, to say the least. So they're in a weird spot, but I think ultimately they're going to have to go with someone who they feel can give them immediate impact when they look at that draft board. And normally what do you get an immediate impact? Someone that's playing a tackle spot to protect the quarterback, someone at the defensive line position, someone at the cornerback spot or quarterback, but I don't think they're going to go, considering that they're the what, 12th pick? Correct. What's the likelihood of that? Of getting a quarterback. I mean, they could get one, but they're going to not get those top-tier guys. Right. Well, you know, you never know. You never know. Uh, the uh, the Trey Lance and, and Fields slide could be interesting. Yet, uh, Adam Candy, uh, my co-host, Adam, you were telling me what, now Trey Lance at most at many sports books is actually the, he's the betting favorite? It's actually moved today. Uh, this morning the movement began and flipped from Mac Jones to Trey Lance as the betting favorite to go at number three. Wow. Wow. That's crazy, man. It's crazy. You guys got to get betting in Ohio. Come on. What are the local well, politicians doing there? Let's get to, get it together. <laughs> we tried to. I got to some lobbyists in Vegas is prevented. I know, right? Well, believe me, you'll have a lot of fun with it because it adds a lot of intrigue to the draft. Hey, I know you have a busy day, and we're all looking forward to watching the draft, and we really appreciate the time. Thanks for stepping up for us. Uh, no problem, guys. Have a good day. Enjoy your draft night. Oh, we will. Oh, we will. Raiders are going to make it fun no matter what. There he is, Gerard Cherry, former Patriot, three-time Super Bowl champion, doing radio on ESPN Cleveland. Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. We're going to hand it off to a National Draft Coverage at 4 o'clock on Cofield and Company. If you missed any of the show, it's going to be podcasted right after 4 at lvsportsnetwork.com. We did come on at 1 o'clock today, so we had some good spots in Hour 1. Denver Broncos and San Diego Chargers previews in our first hour. But, Candy, we got to squeeze in a couple of updates, uh, UNLV-related news. Uh, first, football, and not specifically here and now with UNLV football, but did you see the news about former UNLV Rebel football coach Tony Sanchez? I did. Offensive analyst with Gary Patterson down at TCU. So move into the Big 12 for Tony Sanchez. Uh, you're pretty plugged in when it comes to the comings and goings of UNLV football. And uh, Coach Sanchez, were, were you surprised to hear about it? You thought it was an interesting move? What do you think? I didn't know about it. Uh, I'm not surprised. I think he's a good offensive mind. I think he's pretty well respected. Uh, the Rebel run game was uh, consistently in the top 25 up until that last year. And I, I think we, we also saw that um, you know there was a drop-off last year. Charles Williams simply was not as productive uh, as he should have been and could be this year. And the offensive line didn't play well. And that's not to get on Marcus Arroyo and the new coaching staff. But you know Sanchez did a pretty good job on that front. And uh, he was up for a gig at Boise. He was in the mix at Arizona right after he was fired by UNLV. So, listen, going to TCU, good program, connected to Patterson, that's a good way to revitalize your career. And we've seen plenty of you know head coaches who uh, you know didn't work out at their first stop. They get a chance to get a second life at a good program, and uh, maybe things take off. And uh, good luck to uh, Tony Sanchez. And we'll, we'll try to get him on in the next couple of weeks and see – 
uh, what's going on with that new gig. But basketball, the big news, uh, last couple of days they added two more players. They, they had three openings. They could still be waiting on Bryce Hamilton and Jong. Those are long shots. But they, they added a uh, guard, Mike Nuga, out of Kent State, who averaged about 18 points a game. He's a, he's a sixth-year senior. He's been everywhere. So now they've got another guard who can score. And then I think they got a good one today. They got a Juco transfer from, I think he's at Hutchison, uh, Josh, Joshua Baker, who's another guy who can shoot. He's about 6'2". So the roster is filling out, Candy. Things are looking pretty good. We don't know how this is all going to work out from a mixed standpoint, but what looked like a bleak situation a couple of weeks ago with 10 guys in the transfer portal, Kruger and company have plucked and picked from schools below them in the pecking order and many above them uh, in Power 5 schools. Looks like a pretty decent roster. I mean, shrug emoji, right? We don't know. We, we, we hope it is. We just we don't really know. Um, and when it comes down to it, the idea of keeping Kevin Kruger as the head coach from the pool of more than a dozen that Desiree Reed francois was looking from was said to be for the purpose of continuity. Well, continuity is going to be tough this year. You hope that this group that he's putting together will potentially stay together a little bit next year. Not everybody's going to be eligible to do that, but you certainly hope that will be the case because right now you look at who's back and basically you see Marvin Coleman after not playing for most of last year and you see Nick Blake, and those are really the two key pieces that come back from last year's roster and join this litany of transfers that's coming in, which in some ways is just symptomatic of what college basketball is in 2021-22. And I'm not complaining about that. I love the fact that players have the ability to move, but it is much more difficult to maintain a sense of continuity in that environment. If I'll say this, I don't, I don't have any inside information. I would not expect this last spot if they do only have one spot left. And keep in mind, if Jong wanted to come back, he'd be a super senior, so he actually wouldn't take up a spot. Uh, if, I don't expect this last spot to be taken up quickly unless it's a certain person. They, I'm sure they have a couple of targets that they would leave it open for, but what do you think? Do you think they fill it up quickly? I don't think there's any purpose to, is there? No. Right? What, what's the point? If you only have one spot left, and we see just how dynamic all of this is, right? We've seen more than 1,000 names go through the transfer portal. So you got to wait and hang on and see if someone drops into your lap uh, down the line a little bit. It's April, right? We have plenty of time left before you need to fill that roster out. And this, uh, the Baker kid, the Juco, was, uh, was being recruited by Rutgers up until last week. Uh, Houston was also in on him, Loyal Chicago. So it's, it's a good get. And now they have... Unively roster. Think about last year. Marvin Coleman goes down. You're like, all right, who's going to play the point? Nick Blake is playing the point. He's a wing player, and he could do it for five minutes, ten minutes a game, but you can't have him out there for 25 minutes a game playing the point. I look at their, their players, and I think they've probably got four or five guys who could be comfortable running the offense. All right, back to the NFL draft. We're going to talk to uh, one of the guys who was actually drafted in the 70s. Oh, old, right? No, but he's got great memories. He's got strong opinions. We love this guy, and I'm sure he's got a lot to say about the quarterbacks. Joe Theismann is up next on Cofield and Company. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. All right, let's do it. More of our draft preview. We've talked to uh, several guys who played in the league and you know found out about their draft day experience. Joe Theismann. Is up with us, one of our favorites, Joe. How you doing? We haven't seen you here in Vegas I'm, forever. Um, I'm headed that way in a couple weeks, guys. Do it. All right, all right. 
So what's been going on with you? What's been going on with you? You safe? You get through this thing uh, yeah. uh, safely? Safe. Just finished uh, my third consecutive round of golf, so nice. feeling pretty good about that. And uh, just uh, you know, curious. I'm more curious than anything about tonight. I just um, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens. I think it's going to be a night of trades and deals. Not crazy, but right. you're going to see a night of trades and deals. You think a ton of this hinges on what the Falcons do at four, right? I do. I think the four, the four spot is a big one. Um, I, you know, San Francisco probably will listen because they have Jimmy Garoppolo. It's not like you know, and they made it to the Super Bowl with him. So it's not like uh, you're desperate, like say L.A. was to have to move Goff along. But um, I think they'll wait and see some offers, and they may make a deal. And, and the team you got to keep an eye on is New England. Um, they're the ones that that may be in the market because they've done a great job in the offseason and they've hand, they've really loaded up on their defensive side and they signed Cam but you know Cam was sat down a couple times last year so I think they might be looking. Joe it makes sense that Belichick should move up. He's got a bunch of draft capital. He could use a young quarterback but he never does that. He never moves up. Yeah, but you know it's it, it's been a lot, you know they made the playoffs a lot too and they didn't this past year so Maybe, maybe it's the year. Maybe it's the year of unusual things for Bill and the New England Patriots. So, what about the Falcons? You know, if you're running the Falcons, what do you do? Do you draft a quarterback? You take advantage of that hot spot at four? Do you go after Kyle Pitts, uh, who it seems like a lot of people want? They, they they've got a lot of opportunities here. If I'm going to keep it, I'll take Kyle Pitts. Really? Um, I, yeah, I think I, I am. I think. We're, we've become a league where the tight end has such a, an extremely important part of the offense. Look at Philadelphia. Look at San Francisco. Look at New England. You know, when, when uh, Greg Olson was in Carolina, look at what's going on there. So, to me, I think that the tight end position, we had Logan Thomas in Washington, uh, had a heck of a year last year. And, and if you look at that position in this day and age of football, and a guy with Pitts' talent, um, you can do a lot of things with that with him. You can do a lot of things at that position, and you don't ask him. He doesn't need to be a blocker. He's he's big enough to get in the way of people, but not necessarily you know have to be a big power blocker when it comes to the run game. So um, I think Atlanta is the spot where people are going to try and make deals. I think San Francisco, if they get what they want, they may move people. Uh, you know, I mean, there's been rumbles about Jimmy for a long time. No doubt. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But I, I think four is the spot. If Atlanta stays, I think it's it's Pitts. If they move, uh, I don't think they'll move back too far. All right. Joe Theismann with us here in Vegas on Cofield and company. What about your guys? What about the football team? Should they be aggressive and try to move up uh, to get a quarterback, just wait to see if one drops, or just pass on a quarterback totally in the first round? Well, I, I think you wait to see if one comes to you, if somebody you like is there. I don't know. You know, uh, They've gone quarterbacks in the first rounds, and that hasn't necessarily worked out defensive line has been great for us the last about three i think three drafts every guy has contributed of course chase young was a rookie of the year last year uh defensively so i i think washington can use a safety they can use an offensive lineman uh they need to do something with their linebacking core so those are three positions that i think are are viable there's plenty of wide receivers. You can pick them up in the second round if you're looking for somebody. But they've added some quality in the and speed in the offseason. So, to me, I don't see them. I just don't see them moving up to try and grab a quarterback. I think it, 
it might be a waste of a position. When you look at the quarterback class, Joe, I mean, Trevor Lawrence does seem to stand on his own, but how would you evaluate the the next group of quarterbacks that is being talked about as first-round picks? Does anyone really jump out to you? Well, I, you know, Trevor obviously is going to go to Jacksonville. I think if he doesn't, that'll be a new story unto itself. I just feel like Zach Wilson is on par with uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um, Justin Fields really hasn't played a lot of football. Um Lance uh, hasn't. Trey Lance has not played a lot of football. Uh, Mac Jones was surrounded by great athletes, although he did play extremely well. I think one of the things that we see out of young quarterbacks today is the ability to try and move around and make plays. You can't necessarily just play from the pocket in this day and age. Um, you know, see that with young guys coming in. So, I, I to me, you know, I like Zach Wilson. If you're talking about other than number one, I think like I say, those two on a par. And then you never know. Task uh, is, is another one I think people are going to look at. But you've got these are young quarterbacks that should sit at least a year. You know, you, if you're going to take them, give them a chance to grow into the game and grow into the system and learn learn about professionalism, learn how to take care of their body, learn how to eat, learn how to exercise. All those things need to be taught at this level because, truthfully, at the college level. You know, the guys don't get a chance to spend a lot of time practicing. There's only 20 hours a week they're allowed to practice. And one of the quarterbacks who got the opportunity to do just that last year was Jordan Love with the Green Bay Packers. And, Joe, I'm sure you've seen uh, the news that's been swirling today about Aaron Rodgers reportedly wanting out of Green Bay. What do you make of what you've heard thus far today with the situation of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay front office? I, I don't. I don't think it would serve the Green Bay Packers well to get rid of Aaron Rodgers. You're talking about an MVP of this league. You're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks that's ever played this game. You're talking about the greatest pure passer that ever played this game. You, you know, you're a you're a playoff contending team. You move him out, you're no longer a playoff contending team. Jordan Love is is an unproven entity. I, we aren't we all still scratching our head why Green Bay did what they did in taking him as opposed to someone else, and that, that may have been able to help that offense a little bit. Um, I was curious to, I believe the general manager made a comment, and he said that Aaron Rodgers is our quarterback for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah. yeah. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> I mean, for, for the foreseeable future? I know. Um, uh, this is what I would do with Aaron Rodgers. The last two years, this year, 22 and 23, are not guaranteed contracts for him. The first thing I would do with Aaron Rodgers is I would sit down and I would say, look, I'm going to guarantee 22 and 23. I mean, you're ours, but now we're going to guarantee you the money. That's got to make you feel better because he's basically so wealthy, he has his own hedge fund, for crying out loud. Um, So we're going to contribute a little bit more. But I think, to me, that's, that speaks volumes about their commitment to him. Um, what are you going to get in a trade for Aaron Rodgers? So, okay, you, you trade with San Francisco. You know, Tampa's not going to do it, right? You trade with San Francisco. Uh, they give you that third pick. Maybe they give you another one next year. But Aaron Rodgers is one of those entities in football that just, there aren't many of them around. And the ones that are are getting older and retiring. He's, he's, got, he's got a good three years in him left. And, and he's just really gotten comfortable in Matt LaFleur's system. 
so I just, you know, you hear all the rumors. Of course, the closer we get to, to that D-day, or that D-hour where the draft starts, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But, man, uh, number one, I didn't understand the statement, the foreseeable future. And number two, I just can't see them trading Aaron Rodgers. If they do, I would be very surprised. Joe Thousand with us uh, off the off that path, and uh, onto some other endeavors that Rodgers was trying his Jeopardy tryout. I wonder if you saw his Jeopardy run. And you're a guy who's done a ton of TV and and movies and you know the game show stuff. Uh, is that is that likely for Rodgers once he is done playing football? Is he going to be a big TV star? Yeah, you know why why would you want to put in that much time? I mean, you've got everything. You, you have. Yeah, yeah. It's not a question of money. It's a question of what piques your interest. Yeah, yeah. So take the economics out of it for Aaron, because that's never going to be an issue. But now, does it? You know, what piques his interest? What does he? What does he want to do? What does he think he might want to do? Um, you know, it, doing television. It's. You know, I play with Alfonso Ribeiro, and you know they film. You know, three four weeks, basically an entire season. Yeah. So it wouldn't be a lot of work. I thought he was. I thought he was good. I, I thought he was a, a guy who could do it. You know, the one thing about Aaron Rodgers that a lot of people don't know, he's got a one heck of a sense of humor, and he's a witty son of a gun. Yeah. Uh, and you know, he has those, those abilities. I mean, if he wanted to do it, he probably could be a big name. But after a while, you know, showing up all the time, and does that is that really going to fill the void for him? I don't know whether it will or not. Cannonball run, whatever we're on, three, four. Two. 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 I know what I'm saying. Cannonball run two. I'm saying bring it back. Bring back the series, and Aaron Rodgers is part of the new mix. And you're <laughs> in it, too. You're in it, too. Joe Theismann and Rodgers are driving a car across the country. You guys would be a great team. Uh, it would be fun, but as long as, as, long as Aaron was driving. Yeah. Yeah. That way, I could get my nap. Exactly. Well, you know, and that obviously the other the other theme all the time in the movies was uh, getting something else. So you got to have some time to kind of talk to the ladies. So that's way that's way it works out. Aaron, you drive. I'll take care of business. You're terrible. <laughs> well, you're terrible. Joe, you're awesome, man. I, I, I appreciate it. I know you're uh, you're probably slammed today. I don't know if you're. What, what are you doing to watch the draft? Are you having a party? Are you just watching it by yourself? Still being careful? You know, my wife and I are going out to dinner. I'll come back, and then I'll, I'm curious to see what Washington's going to do. Yep. Uh, you know, and I, what I'm more curious about is not the speculation, but who who the teams actually take. Who are they actually going to pick? Yep. And then I'll, I want to think about how will that individual fit into what they want to do going forward. Is it someone they want to play right now? Are they looking to groom somebody? Um, are they trying to replace somebody and then move somebody later on? So. This is the beginning of the chess match. Thanks, Joe. That was great. Thanks, guys. Take care of yourself. See you soon. There he is, Joe Thasman. He's been in studio with us. He loves Vegas, loves Vegas. And, uh, man, he's always dedicated when he comes on with us. He, he came on, I don't know, probably uh, 15 months ago, and I guess he got caught in a spot where he couldn't get inside, and he's, uh, he was actually sitting in a downpour in his car just doing the spot with us. So cool guy, legend of the NFL, legend of broadcasting, too. I mean, dude, every time we have Joe Theismann on, I kind of stop and say to myself, we're talking to Joe Theismann. That's yeah. really cool. It's really cool. <laughs> Up next, Michael Felder's really cool. He's our uh, regular college football insider during the college football season. We haven't talked to him in like three months. I know he's got a bunch of takes on what's happening in terms of the rumors in the first round. So uh, Mike is up next from Stadium. With 77-cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino.